Hello there, music teacher friends. This is me, Christina Whitlock, welcoming you to episode number 68 of the Beyond Measure podcast. I am so happy that you chose to show up today. As you probably know by now, my goal with this little show is to help you feel like you have access to a friend in the profession anytime you need one. That's why I call myself your anytime piano teacher friend. My oldest daughter is in a program at school where they began studying the Latin language in fourth grade. So one of her words on the very first test was symbiotic. The definition she was required to know was good for both or mutually beneficial. She seemed to really struggle with that one at first. So like any good music teacher parent, I helped her put those definitions to music. So we would sing together. Symbiotic, good for both, mutually beneficial. It's symbiotic. (laughs) All right. So that is not the best ever text text setting to the Hallelujah Chorus, but it worked. It worked so well, in fact, that we both still sing it to each other as a joke sometimes. (laughs) And this is like several years later. (laughs) By the way, my apologies if that song gets stuck in your head this week, because it definitely tends to stick in mine once I think about it. (laughs) And probably due to the way that little ditty would play on repeat through my mind, it was about that time when I had one of the most important aha moments of my teaching career. See, at least in the circles I've traveled, I always sensed some kind of like power struggle between studio teachers and their families. I kind of felt like some teachers approached their studios as though they were basically servants to their student families. You know, they'd bend over backwards for every request, and they would put up with all kinds of questionable treatment. I mean, you get the idea. You know, doing whatever is necessary to keep those students happy. (laughs) I feel like all of us carry at least a few of those stories with us. (laughs) I mean, just a few years ago, Long after I knew better, by the way, I found myself trying to appease an angry parent by offering to cancel my church choir practice just so I could accommodate a makeup lesson for her daughter. When I don't even give makeup lessons. (laughs) I cringe today still even thinking about it. I mean, there are just some people who are really tough to stand your ground with, right? (laughs) After all, They are the ones paying. I mean, the customer is always right, aren't they? (laughs) Hmm. Well, I've also always felt as though there were other teachers who took very much the opposite approach. You know, the customer wasn't always right. In fact, the customer was lucky to be part of the studio. (laughs) Of course, these were typically teachers who had earned their stripes, so to speak, and treated studio families however they pleased. 
these teachers never made exceptions. They would tell families, essentially, you know, it's my way or the highway. (laughs) I remember talking to this teacher at an MTNA gathering who told me that when a student signed on to her studio, the spot they took was theirs until they graduated, meaning that if a first grader began his studies with a 5 o'clock p.m. lesson on Mondays, that was his spot until he graduated high school, (laughs) as in no exceptions, no trades, no nothing. (laughs) She was very no-nonsense about this. And that same teacher also told me her husband patrolled the aisles during her studio recitals to make sure that parents were not playing on their cell phones. (laughs) She even told me that she locked the back door of the recital hall so that no one could sneak out early. (laughs) I promise I'm not making this up. And the interesting thing is... She was really successful in what she did. She was very in demand as a teacher. And I mean, she put her kids through medical school on her teaching income. So her methods may seem extreme to some, but I mean, they were hers and they worked for her. (laughs) And here's the thing. I've said it a million times. I just love sitting back and observing this kind of stuff. (laughs) It is endlessly fascinating to me to see how teachers approach their studios and their relationships. I will rarely stake my claim on what is right or what is wrong. I mean, that's just not my angle here. That's not what this podcast is for. I just like observing it (laughs) and then trying to analyze what is working and what is not. So, I had been taking mental notes on all these different approaches to studio teaching for many years, and I just couldn't help but wonder which way was better. In other words, in our studios, who works for whom? Well, when my daughter and I hatched that little riff on the Hallelujah Chorus, (laughs) symbiotic, good for both, mutually beneficial, it's symbiotic. (laughs) Something clicked inside my head with that silly little song. That is what we should be aiming for as studio teachers. Studio relationships that are symbiotic, good for all involved, and definitely mutually beneficial. And like, hooray for me, I realized That was exactly the kind of studio I had built. (laughs) And I absolutely, 100% believe that this is why I hold the high student retention rates that I do. I make symbiotic relationships a very high priority. I want my studio families to see the benefits that I bring to their lives. And I want them to see them very clearly. (laughs) I mean, making sure families are aware of the positive impacts you have on their lives is an art all in itself, right? (laughs) At the same time, yeah, I mean, this is my actual job, (laughs) meaning that sure, there are all sorts of warm and fuzzy feelings I have surrounding my students, but at the end of the day, I have to make money. (laughs) I have to feel respected. I have to be content with how I am choosing to spend this huge amount of my time. (laughs) 
So in other words, my studio families have to benefit me too. I am really curious here. So where do you think you rank on this? Like if I were to ask you to rate who works for whom, like on a 10 point scale, where one signified I work for my students and 10 was, hey, my students work for me. Like where would you rank yourself? Would it be square in the middle at a five? Or would you lean a little more into one side than another? Like a four or a seven? I mean, what would you rate yourself? I just think this is a really interesting reflection on how you view the dynamics in your studio. And again, I'm not here to say what is right or wrong. I'm just curious about it all. Another context for this same question involves your interview and onboarding process for a new student. I am a huge fan of the initial student interview. I actually call them assessments, but whatever you name it, I like getting a chance to meet with a potential student and their parents before any contracts are signed. That's, of course, a whole episode in and of itself, but because I know many of you operate with a similar setup, I am now asking this question. In that initial student interview, who is interviewing whom? Are you interviewing the student to see if they are a good fit for your studio? Absolutely. (laughs) Are the parents interviewing you? Now, you might not like this answer, but I would argue that absolutely they are. Again, I've talked with many teachers over the years who are quite insulted at the mere suggestion that parents would want to meet with them before enrolling their children in their studio. Again, these are teachers who feel like they're doing students a favor by even considering them. Honestly, I find cautious parents to be a welcome sign. I am actually pretty weirded out at how casually some parents entrust their children with a teacher before they've even met them. I'm pretty thrilled to meet a family who wants to take care in selecting the right teacher for their child. Now, maybe that's just because I'm pretty confident in my ability to make families fall in love with me. (laughs) But regardless, I think it's only fair to understand that parents have every right to decide that you are not the right teacher for them. I mean, that's hurtful to hear for sure, but it definitely falls under rights of parenting as far as I'm concerned. So once again, I find myself super curious to know where you fall on the spectrum of who is interviewing whom in the student onboarding process. I can't help but think that we are wise to acknowledge that it's a two-way street. I'll be honest with you here that I feel like my specific brand of like teacher magic only works if I know that a family is happy with me. It's a character flaw for sure, but the second I start feeling like a student or their family might be skeptical or unappreciative of me, 
like my magic is just gone. <laughs> I just can't operate under those conditions. <laughs> Remember that situation I mentioned at the beginning of the episode about offering to cancel my church choir practice just to accommodate a reschedule? <laughs> well, that parent ended up flying so far off the handle at me, <laughs> despite my extreme efforts to please her, that I had to cut ties with a student that I dearly, dearly loved. And that's been like several years ago, and honestly, it still breaks my heart. In the end, I knew I couldn't do all the things that make my lesson experience special if I didn't feel supported and appreciated by that family. And that relationship suddenly turned from one that had felt mutually beneficial <laughs> to one that was very clearly one-sided. And after being called a bunch of terrible names and accused of some pretty rotten things, I had to remind myself that this was my business and I didn't have to take it. So, <sighs> I don't know. Tough life lessons, my friends. <laughs> but back to student interviews. Let me give you a for instance from many years ago that I still honestly feel conflicted about to this day. Many, many years back, I mean, we're talking probably 2007, I received a phone call from a mother who wanted lessons for her young son. I think he was probably seven. And, you know, familiar story, she was convinced he had all this musical potential, yada, 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 and she wanted to make sure that I knew how to help him nurture his ability to play by ear, as well as learning to read music and build proper technique. Well, I explained to her that I tried to take a balanced approach to all musical skills and emphasis on reading and technique were my primary focus, especially in those days, but we would also work on building his aural training and working on all those functional skills, including playing by ear. Well, she seemed satisfied with that response, and she decided to bring him for an interview, though she definitely made it clear that she wasn't quite sold on me just yet. Now, at that stage in my life, I think I took myself probably a little too seriously, and I was determined to make sure that she loved me. <laughs> well, the interview was just fine, and she and her son were both asking a ton of questions, uh, which meant that we quickly ran out of time. And as they were on their way out the door, the mom pulls like a CD out of her purse, <laughs> and she showed it to me, and she said, you're lucky we ran out of time because I was going to test you. <laughs> I was going to make you listen to a song from this album and show me that you could play it back to me by ear. <laughs> well, I laughed it off and I walked them out the door. But once she was gone, I could not believe the bullet that I had just dodged. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I've never been put to an actual test by a potential client before in their interview. <laughs> to this day, I really don't know how I would have responded had she led with that challenge. My pride felt insulted. I mean, I held two degrees and had a solid number of years of teaching experience under my belt. I shouldn't have to prove myself to her, should I? <laughs> and... 
for the record, I still don't think it's really a fair request. And yet, we do need to prove ourselves to our clients in one way or another. (laughs) I guess it's just a matter of doing that on our own terms in ways that we feel comfortable. I don't know. It's just an interesting dilemma, right? (laughs) I know many teachers who would have seen that challenge as an enormous red flag and decided against enrolling that particular student at all. And honestly, they probably would have been well within their rights to do it. I will say that student ended up being a fixture in my studio for many, many years, and he proved to indeed be a very talented musician. (laughs) So I'm really grateful I took him despite the awkwardness of his mother's initial request. So friends, that was a lot of story time today, but I hope I've given you an opportunity to consider how symbiotic, how mutually beneficial, how good for everyone your studio relationships are. If you feel a struggle for power on either side of this situation, I would simply suggest to you that there's a better way. And while you ponder that, I'm going to offer up a toast to you. Music teacher friends of the world, I wish you today a studio full of symbiotic relationships. (laughs) May you be confident in the fact that your studio family support you and appreciate you and adore you. (laughs) And likewise, May you be grateful for the fact that their money keeps you in business. (laughs) There are weeks when I am simply overcome with gratitude for the fact that I earn a full-time income directly from these families that I adore so much. And to be sure, I work really hard for it. (laughs) I know I earn it. But I can still be appreciative of the fact that people show me support in such a tangible way with their wallets. So cheers to you and all of your supportive studio families, my friends. Hear, hear. And that's episode 68 for you. As always, I hope it's given you something to think about and some assurance that no matter what side you're on here, I've been there. (laughs) It's a new month, which means it's a great time to jump into my Patreon community, friends. If you are not aware, I release a bonus video on my Patreon site each month, as well as host a private Zoom chat for subscribers at the end of each month. Uh, We are scheduling this month's chat this week, so now is the best time to join so we can do our best to find a time where we can include you. (laughs) $13 gets you access to that Zoom invite as well as the bonus video. And if you just want to contribute to my virtual tip jar, well, you can do that with a $6 contribution as well. Uh, go ahead and sign up at patreon.com slash beyond measure podcast um, or check out the link in the show notes. 
please make sure you are following Beyond Measure Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram. And also know that you can email me anytime you want at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. So that's it for now, my friends. Onward and upward toward those symbiotic relationships, yeah? (laughs) I hope life is kind to you this week. Let's talk again soon.